Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm joined by Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We're also having this conversation on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. First off, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hopefully you don't have any snow like we had for the old BC game. I think I might be all right down in Clearwater, Florida. Oh, are you going to be in Clearwater? Well, you're going to be just fine. Well, the Irish have their quarterback, Mike Kenny Minchie, the former Pittsburgh commit, as we kind of expected, verbally committed to the Fighting Irish on Tuesday. And Mike, kind of give us some of the details of Brown from being a Pittsburgh decommit to now joining this Fighting Irish class. Yeah, I want to player decommits from a school and sets up the official visit typically looks really good for Notre Dame, right? Saw that with Caleb Smith a couple weeks ago, decommits from Texas Tech and taking an official to Notre Dame that, that weekend. We haven't seen him commit yet, so it's not a foolproof thing, but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty obvious that uh, Minchie was trending heavily towards Notre Dame, and the official visit this past weekend for the Boston College game just really had to be a disaster. For, for Notre Dame not to uh, to win the recruitment. So it went well. Um, really clicked with the Notre Dame commits who were on campus, but also Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman, Chad Bowden, all those Notre Dame staffers did a really nice job. So even one source told me that, like, he is just a perfect fit at Notre Dame, and it would have been a stunner if he would have went to Pittsburgh just because of – I've talked about it. When you have the word Pope in your high school, that's typically a good sign for Notre Dame. Um, and um, – yeah, here here we are. So what stands out when you watch him on tape? What makes him, as you said, a really good fit for Notre Dame? Yeah, I mean, again, off the field, it's, it, it, he's that perfect culture locker room kind of fit that you look for. On the field, big fan. Big, big fan. He's got the functional mobility. Like, for folks watching on YouTube, see that play, like, he is, uh, he's no Lamar Jackson, but he's also no Jack Cohn. Like he is, is a really good athlete. Again, not a speedy guy, but his build is sturdy. That's the word that his private quarterbacks coach told me. So, you know, thick lower body, um, well built kid at six two and a half, two hundred fifteen pounds, um, and then the number one trait for him is just that accuracy. And that throw right there we just saw is probably my favorite. I'm actually going to rewind it for folks watching on YouTube. Um, just how he is able to see something downfield that is coming and then just a quick little sidestep to buy himself a little bit more time to then deliver a little bit off platform, a, a dime for a touchdown. That is Kenny Minchie in a nutshell. The pocket awareness for him is, I, I, I think, for just the general football fan watching this, you just see the football leaving the arms, and it's a perfect ball right to the receiver, right? But it's the little things that separate a quarterback from being just a guy to 
an Elite 11 finalist and an All-American and a four-star and now a Notre Dame commit, the pocket presence, um, just the overall overall awareness and feel of the game of football, that, that, that's Kenny Minchie um, to a T. I, I'm very impressed with just him mechanically, the um, – the again the awareness the accuracy um, and the overall feel for the game he's a really good gift for Notre Dame. He reminds me just slightly of Deshaun Kaiser, a little bit by the way he stands in the pocket. Well, Mike, this is a guy that got an offer from Notre Dame over the summer, said no to Notre Dame. So, what do you think changed between July and this visit to Boston College? Was it Notre Dame being persistent, continuing to try to talk to him, trying to change his mind? What do you think it was? Hey, Darren, power of Notre Dame. We say that a lot of times, and I, I really think it was true here. I, when I interviewed him on uh, the days of running together, so we're recording this Tuesday, I talked to him Monday um, afternoon about his commitment, and I said, I, I, I said, Kenny, let me just lay out how I've seen this come together and you tell me if I'm wrong. And, you know, I was like, look, Notre Dame offered in late July, but then August is a dead period and your season's your senior season starts. So you're not really going to be focusing on recruiting, right? Focusing on that senior season and you can't take a visit in the month of August again because of that dead period. And then he gets injured a few games into a season. So then his focus is on rehab. So he's got that Pittsburgh commitment locked in. He's feeling fine with that recruiting and a potential flip to Notre Dame's last thing on his mind, it is senior year and, and getting over this shoulder injury, which was on his throwing shoulder, but I'm told no, no long-term concerns there. He should be just fine. Um, but uh, yeah, Darren, he just goes through senior season. And the, the key for Notre Dame here was to not give up. Um, they stayed on him and just kept consistent, nothing overbearing or it wasn't too much or too little. It's just, Every week, every two weeks, Tommy Reese, Marcus Street, and Chad Bowden texting, or checking in, texting him here and there to just keep things warm for when he was ready to, you know, potentially open things up. And um, just a couple weeks ago, Minchie had a conversation with, with Tommy Reese, and um, Minchie just said, all right, I'm just – so this is kind of a long way to answer your question. He just got a text, and he was like, all right, I think it's time to consider that. So his parents were pushing for Notre Dame. Um, of course, they were going to be on board with Pittsburgh, um, but Minchie, uh, you know, talked to them about Notre Dame, and I think the kind of ended that call, that conversation with his family, saying, "All right, let's listen to what Notre Dame has to say here," and it moved obviously very fast from them, Darren. Well, I understand that for the average Joe, the star system is a really good way for them to understand how good this player can be at the collegiate level, and I know he's a four star, but let me go beyond that. As I wrap up my Minchie conversation with you, here's what I like to know. When you look at the tape and when you know the young man, you get to know him a little bit, I want to know, does he project to be a starter? Does he project to be just a backup? Could he be an All-American? So beyond the stars, as you look at it, in your personal opinion, if he had to start in the next couple of years, you believe he's the type of kid that can start. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, yeah, he could start. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I, I think he could – I don't think he goes into next year no. you know, as the favorite for the job. But I, I think that if, if Notre Dame were put in a situation where Minchie needed to play as a true freshman as, and he's enrolling early, like, I, think he could, I think he could do a good job. Okay. But the, in terms of 
you know, is he an All-American or is he a one-year, you know, come on, come on, Darren. <laughs> come on, Darren. Your guess is as good as mine, and so is Joe Schmoe's. Like, it's, that's very tough um, to, you know, to kind of gauge at this point. But you just kind of go through the tools, right, and they seem to be all there. I mean, you're if you're going to criticize his game, it's it's you're nitpicking. Okay. Could he be a couple inches taller at like, you know, be six four, six five? Sure. You know, could he also run a four <laughs> four? Sure. You know, that that's not him. Um I could he throw it, you know, with, with a bit more velocity and be able to throw it sixty yards? Sure. Um he, he can improve everywhere, but the accuracy, the pocket presence, the leadership qualities. He looks pretty good to me there. Okay, I like it. Good analysis there. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. So Minchie's the 23 quarterback. C.J. Carr's the 24 quarterback. His high school season is over. Give me a synopsis. How good of a year did C.J. Carr have? Pretty good, yeah. Um, I'll actually pull up his stats, and I can tell you um, um, as we are here. But uh, he had a couple of stinkers in there, but uh, otherwise – I mean, just, just fantastic, um, consistent throughout the season. Um, tw- 222 of 326, that's 68% completion, um, 2,685 yards, 26 touchdowns, just five picks, and that's across 11 games. Um, yeah, the, the, his worst game of the season was 6 of 25 for 88 yards. That's the one I was at. <laughs> Um, and I was told politely to never come back. And then the next week he had a, a a fine game, but just doesn't quite compare to some of the games he's had, like 13 or 14 for 251 yards and five touchdowns. So, um, yeah, he, he's holding himself to a high standard when he has games like that. But overall, Darren, CJ had a, a really good year, in my opinion. Um, the back-to-back recruiting here for Notre Dame, I've talked about this in our, our Blue and Gold YouTube um, channel, um, Kenny Minchie is the number 14 quarterback per the on three consensus in the, in the country. Carr is the number five in the, in the 2024 class. So if you add that up, that's 19, right? Average it, it comes to nine and a half. So their average quarterback ranking nationally is nine and a half between those two. I looked back at all of Notre Dame's recruiting classes since 2007. Um, and that is that nine and a half is the highest for back to back recruiting classes going back to, um, Gunnar Keel and Malik Sire. Um, and I know those guys didn't quite pan out um, in a Notre Dame uniform, but that just kind of goes to show that how long it's been that Notre Dame has signed. If you're just, you, you talked about star rankings, you brought it up there. That just kind of goes how it goes to show how long it's been since Notre Dame has signed guys this highly ranked at the quarterback position. It's, and it's another flip. Notre Dame has obviously had a good track record flipping quarterbacks from other schools as well. And they flipped three others in this class, Mookum, Edwards, and Triori, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, Yep. And they've had uh, four, I think, four decommit, uh, which is hard for me to remember off the top of my head. The running back, Keon Keeley, um, an offensive lineman, flipped to uh, USC. Yep. I think there's one more. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping for not another one, Darren. That's the, that's the, that's the goal there. For just a few weeks to go until – the first national signing day. Well, around these parts, we're now to the state championship games in the state of Indiana, and a Notre Dame commit will look to go back-to-back 
in Class 2A, not a shock. It's an all-parochial 2A championship. That's what seems to happen in the Hoosier State somehow, some way. But Drake Bowen and Andrean going to play for another state title. And man, oh man, Mike, he had a massive football game for Andrean last Friday night. Yeah, and their team this Friday, I think it's Friday morning, um, at the Lucas Oil Stadium is, is Evansville Modern Day. It's the same team that they beat last year to win the state title, uh, Indiana 2A ball. So Drake Bowen last week, 12 tackles, six of those for loss, two sacks. Just right there. That's good. It's pretty good for a linebacker, right? Played running back, had 34 attempts, 358 yards, and five touchdowns. Also, also, Darren, might I add, I'm told, I, I, I want to, I can't remember exactly, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it was an ear infection. It was, it was like Michael Jordan's flu game. <laughs> and this is the best part for me. This is the best part for me, Darren. This is why I love Drake Bowen so much, okay? Pretty cold in Indiana last Friday and Saturday, right? Just played the game of his life. Probably, I mean, he also punts for his team. So the guy literally is not coming off the field. It's freezing. He's under the weather, right? Notre Dame plays 2.30 on Saturday. Guess what Drake Bowen is doing? He has gone at that point, folks, to every single Notre Dame home game. Every single one. If he wanted to miss a home game, it would have been very understandable. He wakes up the next morning, and he gets his boat over to South Bend, Indiana, for the main purpose, so he can hang out with Kenny Minchie. Wow. Come on. Drake Bowen, rank him a five-star. Based on these things alone, Drake Bowen will go down um, as my favorite recruit recruiter right of these commits he's recruiting all these guys um uh, he's he's outstanding he is um he's a special human being and for people listening to this that are outside of indiana you hear two a well let me say this andrean plays a very competitive schedule when jack kaiser won mr football as a 1a football player he didn't play necessarily that competition but andrean plays all the big boys in the Northwest portion of Indiana, so they've there's no yeah, fluky numbers. Drain's, Go ahead. They're they're ten and three this season. Those three losses, that's that's classes yeah. out there. I, I I think they're gonna roll on Friday. Um and uh yeah, if they play just a two eight schedule, oh. I think they'd be undefeated. He would play two quarters a game probably. <laughs> All right, finally, I wanna hear about this because as a big baseball fan Tell me about yeah. Ryan Mooney because it sounds like he could have been a Notre Dame baseball player, but he picked up the game of football just recently, and now he's kind of a late bloomer? Yeah, I wrote about this young man of blue and gold, and I know that's why Darren's asking me about it. So it was a free article, so if you yep. just you can just you just Google Ryan Mooney, find his on three page, and you can see the article. Um, it was a really good one because um, he – I wrote in the in the opening line of this article, he's the definition of a late bloomer because he didn't start playing football until this year. Got really good at it. He actually picked up an offer before he had played it out. I think it was Miami of Ohio. He just like started going to some camps and stuff. <laughs> I already picked up a scholarship offer. And um, 
I, I think he, he just really started to love the game of football um, and decided, hey, I, I want to follow this route. And he's picked up around 15 scholarship offers, oh, including one from Iowa. He was clocked running a 4-2-8-40, obviously, at 6-4-170, this young man. I can't imagine if he actually ran a 4-2-8. But let's just say, let's just say it was like a 4-5. Like he really runs 4-5? Even a 4-6, 4-5-4-6. He's 6-4-170. If Notre Dame – okay, so let's kind of talk about his recruitment. Notre Dame baseball commit – Pledged a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. He commits after this football, and he just fell in love with the game of football and wants to play it in college. He, I, he didn't, when I talked to him, he didn't shut down the possibility of two sports at the next level, but he seemed pretty set on just football. Wow. Um, and Darren, he is, uh, yeah, he's got a, I mean, Boston College has offered him. Um, so he has all these offers, but then he loves. Notre Dame um, is on three pages. I pulled up here says Michigan's an offer, but I'm pretty sure it's a PWO. But those two schools, Michigan and Notre Dame, he's still considering just going as a PWO there because he loves Notre Dame. Obviously, he's the school he committed to for baseball, and now he has that option for football. He he, he can't go wrong here. So uh, wherever he ends up, it's going to be interesting to follow. Again, folks, first year playing football. Right? So he went to a camp before he ever played a high school football game. <laughs> If, if I'm reading, if, if I'm if I'm uh, reading in between the lines correctly, yeah, this is his first year playing football, and I went through his Twitter, and he announced an offer in like June of this year. So maybe he did spring ball, you know. But otherwise, wow. yeah, that's it. Amazing. Well, of course, I know you have all the information on Kenny Minchie up at blueandgold.com. What else is happening right now on the website? Oh man, the. You know, Thanksgiving and you know, trying to you know start working ahead, but otherwise, you know, still still a ton of good content on the website. Previewing uh, Notre Dame, USC, Patrick, um, Todd, and Tyler do a fantastic fantastic job of that. And then just continue to turn out um, some good recruiting content throughout the week. You know, going to look at uh, who's enrolling early. I know that's always a big topic, and I've been asked about that a good bit here in the past week. So I'm going to write an article on that. Uh, and then Tuesday night, Lucky Charms covering. Um, what's next for Notre Dame in the 2023 class after this big commitment. So just keep tabs on bloomgold.com and um, you can, um, when, if you sign up right now, our current deal is uh, $10 gets you access through the uh, start of next football season, August 31st, 2023. So I uh, would definitely appreciate it if folks sign up for the website. If you like all this stuff, you know, between my hits on a uh, Darren's radio show or our blue and gold YouTube page, if you enjoy all this would definitely recommend you go to blueandgold.com for a lot more coverage. Have a good holiday. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Darren. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, blue and gold illustrated blueandgold.com. Again, he's got all the latest on the commitment of quarterback Kenny Minchie to the class of 2023 former Notre Dame and Michigan recruiting coordinator Bob Kamel talks about the big rivalry games this weekend next on WSBT welcome back to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the fighting Irish sports radio 960 WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app I'm Darren Pritchett joined by a former 
co-host of this particular program, former Michigan and Notre Dame recruiting coordinator and assistant coach Bob Kamel joins me here on WSBT Radio. Coach, always great to talk to you. How are you today? I'm doing well. It's always great to catch up with you. Love the days on the show. Uh, gosh, we had some fun, didn't we? I, I really, really enjoyed it. Look forward to it. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm not here, you know, to uh, patronize you, but you're a consummate pro. And I learned an awful lot about you as I move forward into the, you know, into TV with ESPN and that. A lot of the things I learned from you, I was able to apply at that time. So uh, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that, Coach, and, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family before I forget. Okay, and as well to yours. Thank you so much. Hey, I got to ask you, it's Notre Dame-USC week. For USC, they're trying to make the playoff. For Notre Dame, they're trying to continue some really good play, Coach, after that 0-2 start. They've won eight of their last nine, and now with a win at the Coliseum, they could end the year 9-3. and What are your reflections of the Notre Dame-USC rivalry and the way that Notre Dame sets up their schedule? They always end in California. This is the year they go to USC. Your thoughts on always end of the year out in California and this year being at the Coliseum? Well, I don't think there's any question. Uh, it's almost a bowl atmosphere. The uh, The Coliseum is a very unique venue uh, for a lot of reasons, historically, uh, as well as, you know, the home of USC. Uh, I remember going out there uh, many, many years ago and coming out that tunnel before the game and that, uh, the uh, horse is there. I believe his name is Traveler. <laughs> and the Trojan is on the horse. And, I mean, it's just it's it's breathtaking. And, the one thing you have to do, though, is uh, kind of sh- try to shut those things off. If you think about this just a little bit, only our fifth-year seniors have played there. Yeah. Uh, only our fifth-year seniors have played there. So I think one of the things that's going to be critically important this week, and I'm sure Coach Freeman will address it, is senior leadership is, you know, very, very important. Because this game can be a, tra- uh, uh, a distraction. I don't think there's any question. Some of these young guys have never been away from home before for Thanksgiving. You know, they'll have Thanksgiving, they'll practice on Thursday and have, you know, uh, something to eat afterward and get on the bus, go on a plane and go out there to have Thanksgiving dinner. And, uh, you know, and then the entire day Friday, which I'm sure there'll be some walkthroughs and, you know, some position meetings and things like that. Uh, the one thing, you try to make it as normal as you can, but at the same time, it really is not it's not like going to play another one of one of your opponents. It is the Coliseum. A couple of things that I, you know, I remember very well was, was uh, with Coach Holtz had a test, uh, and literally a test, a handwritten test. And you know, when new, we'd get a new coach, and after every practice that week, he would talk about some aspect of this game, whether it be about New Rockney, whether it be about former players, whether it be about close games, whatever it may be. And I would tell new coaches, you know, pay attention to what he has to say after each and every one of these practices. And then, you know, we'd get on the plane and we'd be flying out there. And he said, Bob, hand out the tests. And I would hand them out to all the players. And I would hand them out to the uh, uh, the position coaches. Sometimes guys would look at me and go, are you serious? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I told you, pay attention. This is important. And then once they'd had a certain amount of time to fill out the test, I'd collect the test. And then I'd, uh, I'd bring them back to coach. And he would uh, basically analyze them to see uh, who was paying attention and who wasn't. But, you know, more so than a, a test, so to speak, it was an emphasis about the great tradition, the great history of this game. Uh, you don't want to put too much into it 
um, from a sense of where, you know, some of the younger guys are like, oh, what's this going to be about? But at the same time, you have to emphasize, you know, what this game means. And and I still believe from the bottom of my heart, uh, you know, some people would say no, but USC is truly Notre Dame's rival. These are two of the most storied football programs in the history of college football. And it's a long way there. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot to do. And, you know, you can't go in there too starry-eyed. you got to go in there and just stick with business. And that's going to be up senior leadership, position coaches, and then Coach Freeman. You know, he does there, – there are some people in the program there that have been there. Uh, Coach Heastan's being there. Uh, Dr. Brian Radigan, who is a, a great Notre Dame man and a, and a great orthopedic surgeon, and he's been there when he's played. But you've got a guy right in the offices that I can't say enough about, and that's Ron Paulus. Uh, I think Coach Freeman could lean on him a little bit and talk to him about, you know, what this game was and, you know, some of the things that, you know, we did when Ron was here when we went out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I will be there. Oh, you will. All right. I like the sound of that. Hey, I'll, Coach Cabell. I'll, I'll be I'll be there. If I can get a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I think you probably know enough people. Hey, I got to ask you about Al Golden. I was Calling excited. <laughs> I was excited when Notre Dame brought in Al Golden to be the defensive coordinator. I have a lot of respect for him. I think he had one of the toughest jobs in college football when he was a head coach at Miami of Florida. I can't imagine the things you have to deal with on a daily basis as head coach of the Hurricanes. And I really feel like, Coach, this defense now has a good feel for Al Golden, the changes he made to the defense, and now their inability to create turnovers. That was the narrative early in the year. Now they're making turnovers you know, left and right. So I really like what Al has done with this defense, but a heck of a challenge this weekend. Well, it's, it's a process. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a new defense, and guys have to settle into it. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. But I think if there was one person, I think, in my opinion, okay, Al Golden was Coach Freeman's uh, best hire, hands down. I mean, he's been around. He's and, and My guess is that, and I, I don't have any insider trading, but my guess is that uh, Coach Freeman leaned on him about, you know, maybe being a head coach. You know, how do you handle a situation? How do, that, how do you handle that situation? Because as you read about Coach Freeman, he's really, really kind of gotten into – a lot of aspects of what goes on and a lot of evaluation of how to get better. And I'm sure that Al Golden uh, was in that mix. He's a veteran coach. And uh, now as far as Miami goes, only gosh knows what that's all about. (laughs) I mean, just look what's going on there, going on there right now. Uh, I I think, you know, and hopefully not too soon, but I think he'll be a head coach again. Yeah. Former Michigan and Notre Dame recruiting coordinator Bob Kamel, my guest. I got to ask you this, coach, as someone that was so heavily involved in setting the tone for recruiting for Bo and for Lou, can you imagine doing your job now with the signing period being in December, plus at the same time, that's the opening of the transfer portal. The head coach is trying to put together his recruiting class, but now you've got this other alternative to bring in players in the transfer portal. How many headaches would that bring you on a nightly basis if you were still the recruiting coordinator, or is it not as bad as I think it is? Well, I think about it, and I think, how can they possibly do this? How can you put this all together? Obviously, the staffs have been increased uh, unbelievably. I would probably venture to say there's probably 15 to 18 people working on any 
big-time football staff. I had uh, myself, Kay Harity, uh, <laughs> my recruiting assistant, who did a great job, uh, and uh, Dean Link's daughter, uh, Darren Link. So, <laughs> so that, was, that was about it in those days. And it served us well, but you can't do that now. I mean, and, and it, all, it all really kind of reflects upon, um, uh, you know, social media uh, is huge into this. Then you add the NIL. Then you add Oof. the portal. Uh, there are programs. I have a friend that coaches at a, at a Big Ten program, and he's not an on-the-field coach. Every day he comes in and sees who's in the portal, and then he pulls out the uh, guys that are in the portal that, that uh, play a position that they have a need at, and he has to evaluate every one of them, and he presents them to the uh, to the coaching staff. But now you're not only juggling, you know, numbers of how many recruits, but you're ju- juggling a, a roster. It's 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 a huge, huge undertaking. And my hat is off to each and every every uh, recruiting coordinator who's going through this right now. The one thing is, is as a recruit, <clears throat> excuse me, as a recruiting coordinator, and I always tell this to guys that you know want to be a recruiting coordinator. <clears throat> excuse me. If you, if the head coach supports you, you've got a great chance of being successful. But if he's letting guys on the staff come in and say, we should be doing this and we should be doing that, then you're going to have a problem. And when I coached for Bo and when I coached for Coach Holes, I had, they had my back. Uh, when I coached for Coach David, there were guys that would go in there and say, hey, you know, Kamel should be doing this or Kamel should be doing that. Well, you can't, you can't operate on nine different opinions because you were on the road and some coach on the road said, well, at this school we're doing this. Then you come back to campus and say, maybe we should be doing this. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. Mm. If the head coach has your back and he supports you, you have a great chance of being successful. Coach Kamel, what was it like to be a member of Bo Schembechler's staff when it was Ohio State week like it is this week? <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, it, it's different now. I mean, you want to you win that game. I mean, you, you, you really, really want to win that game. We had what we called red-letter games. And we would have um, on the walls in uh, Schembechler Hall our schedule and the date of the game, and certain games would be red-letter games. Well, obviously Ohio State would be a, a red-letter game. When things were, you know, when we were at Michigan and things were going really well and we were recruit, uh, recruiting well, our team was laden with uh with high school players from you know from ohio and then if you take our staff we probably had on our staff out of the nine assistant coaches probably six or seven anyway were from ohio and probably from miami of ohio so there was there was that type of rivalry it was intense uh you know we came in sunday and you know do your regular thing sunday and 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 you know start to prepare for the game but it's not it's not the same as going to play another Big Ten team, not even the same as going to play Michigan State. It's why you played football at Michigan in those days, to win the Big Ten and to go to the Rose Bowl. Win the Big Ten and go to the Rose Bowl. Those were our goals. And if and you always had to beat Ohio State to go to the Rose Bowl. So those games were intense, whether they were in Ann Arbor or whether they were in Columbus. And, uh, you know, when, you know, the old days, Bo and Woody and then Woody's successors and, and all that kind of thing. But uh, um, one thing I would say this, I spent as much time with Bo being the recruiting coordinator and doing a lot of his administrative work as anybody. Okay. I always felt in my heart of hearts that he, when he got the head coaching job at Michigan, that 
Woody kind of be, he, he he really respected Woody, but I don't think he uh, looked at Woody after a while. Uh, he looked at Woody as a peer after a while, uh, not as you know we're going to play Woody. Oh my gosh, he's you know, you know he's my mentor. Maybe he was at that time. The only coach that I really believe from the bottom of my heart that Coach Schembechler looked up to that was not a peer, and that was Eric Parsegian. Hmm. Uh, so with Woody in those days, you know, we went to play and, you know, it was the Woody bow, but, you know, I don't think bow looked up to look at Woody anymore. It's probably a mentor, but rather a peer, but not era era was, um, uh, uh, he was very special to bow hmm. and they were both very special together. I mean, they, you know, but, but the game itself, I mean, it, it, uh, first of all, the sun never shines in Columbus. So every time you go there to play there. Every, I mean, and every time you'd go there to play there, it would be overcast, which would add to the intrigue. Then at the hotel we stayed at, somewhere nearby, there was some person that knew that had the ability to shut the water off in the hotel. <laughs> and it, it happened. There was no water in the hotel. And finally somebody came out there and they went and found, I don't know, whatever it was, the crank or whatever, and got the water going. So there was always, there was always a... It was always an interesting trip and, and a, and a hard-fought, tough game. Yeah. A very hard-fought, tough game every time when you go there to play. Or when they came, or when they came to Ann Arbor, it was the same thing. Yeah. It were, these were tough games. And, but, you know, it, what's changed all this is um, the playoffs. Uh, this game will have huge ramifications probably for both teams with the playoffs. Uh, it won't be like, you know, whoever wins goes at a Rose Bowl. Uh, because, you know, those days are far gone. But at the same time, the, the intensity of going to play the game uh, it hasn't changed. Now, in, when I was at, at Michigan um, on Fridays, I would go into the ticket office, and we would have, uh, you know, ticket requests. And as the recruiting coordinator, you know, part of my responsibility was tickets for, you know, whoever, the coaches or whatever it may be, high school coaches, now, in the adjoining room near there is where it's changed now. It's, it's much bigger, was where um, uh, they did interviews with players. And uh, there was a year when Jim guaranteed uh, that we would beat Ohio State. <laughs> it, you know, and Bo found out shortly thereafter. And it was an interesting conversation, if you will. <laughs> but, we did, but we did win, so... I don't think Jim will be doing that uh, anymore, but it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a special, special game. I've got like 16 more questions for you, but I'm running out of time. I'm just going to end with this. You were up in Ann Arbor for the Michigan-Illinois game last weekend. Now, there were four calls that went against my poor Illini in the last two minutes. Did you intimidate the officials to help Michigan win? Now, be honest with me. Did, did you hurt my Illini in that game? <laughs> Actually, uh, I went down in the sideline and tried to imitate Bo. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it. Holy cow! Those guys would be scared to death. Well, it it you know we are not going to be here for Thanksgiving, and you know we have a lot of family in, th- in in Ann Arbor, so we had our Thanksgiving this weekend. Nice. But I had not been into Michigan Stadium since uh, since I left. And uh, it was it was very very interesting pulling up there with my brother-in-laws and and the immensity of the of, of the venue it's just it's gigantic and 
I had kind of forgot all about that. Not forgot about it, but I really never came that way, so to speak. You know, we pull up on the bus and you go inside the, the locker room and, and that. And um, uh, it was uh, it, I was overwhelmed. I mean, it was it was it was, you know, it would be like if I was coming back to Notre Dame. You know, it's always good to come home and a lot of great memories with a lot of great players. And, you know, if I may digress, this thing with the tunnel, with uh, with, with with Michigan State, and this thing with the tunnel, with um, what's his name at Penn State. Franklin. And I tell the both of them, teams have been running down that tunnel for 100 years and never had a problem before. Now, was there some uh, trash talking going back and forth? Yeah, basically every single game. But now this Franklin's advocating that they put another tunnel in for the, um, uh, you know, for the, uh, for the, you know, for the uh, visiting team. My, I would have told Franklin after the game, I don't care what tunnel you ran out or what tunnel you ran in, you got drubbed. <laughs> and and you know the best thing for you to do was to compliment your opponent and go home. All of a sudden they're talking about the tunnel. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And and so I don't I don't buy that. And I, I and it is my sincere hope that that tunnel continues to be what it always has been with both teams coming out. Now, what I would do is you can hold one team back a while and let the other team go up and give them X amount of time and and tell them that that's how it's going to be and then come back down the tunnel and and do it the same way again. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I I didn't get all that, but um, I did, I did, I was near a television and then I was able to see a lot of the Notre Dame game and uh, except for was it the third quarter when I didn't really didn't see too much on the screen, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh, look!" At... But you know, it, it, I don't care who you play. I, I really don't. If, if if they're on your schedule, and you win forty-four to nothing, that's impressive. Yeah, it, it's it's totally impressive. Now you're talking to a guy who predicted that we would beat Clemson. I predicted it. Yeah. I watched Clemson against Syracuse, and I said my first thought afterward was we're going to win this game. We're going to beat Clemson. And and what a great victory that was. And, and, you know, and it's still, it's still all about the young guys and to see that the reaction of the team and the coaches and everything after that, that, and it wasn't just a victory. It was, it, it was a resounding victory. And my hat is off to coach Freeman and his entire staff. And, you know, when the young guys that play in that game, that's, that's a, that was really, really special. And I think it's indicative of things to come here. Let's hope so. Let's hope I'll so. You, you know, I coach tight ends. I coach tight ends. You know, uh, Michael Mayer can make a tight end coach look pretty good. <laughs> but my, if you take, you remember my tight ends where I had um, Pete and Leon and Danny O'Leary, yeah. uh, Jabari Holloway. Those guys were kind of uh, uh, hybrid tackles. Yep. Uh, I mean, they, they were big guys that could block, and we took a lot of pride in our blocking. And I'm always looking at tight ends. Hey, can this guy block, or is he just a pass catcher? But uh, I think Michael is, is is a special. I I can't imagine that there would be anybody that would challenge him for the Mackey Award. Well, the folks in SEC land feel like the Georgia tight end should win that award. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I think Michael's the best. But, you know, Coach, voting doesn't always go the way we think it should. So hold your breath. Uh, sometimes I'd like to meet him. I'm having coached tight ends that here at Notre Dame, I'd, I'd love to meet him. I still, I talked to Peter today. I talked to Leon last week. Danny O'Leary, you know, they come to town and you know uh, come to games. We have tailgates. I, I love my guys. Absolutely. I love them all. 
Coach, so. Coach, good to catch up with you. Have safe travels out to California. Enjoy the Notre Dame-USC game. While I know you'll be keeping an eye on Michigan and Ohio State, it's always a great college football weekend. Go Irish. Take care, my friend. Best to your family. You too, Coach. Thank you. That's former Notre Dame and Michigan recruiting coordinator Bob Kamel. We'll take a break. More Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 